So yesterday we read from Savitri those magical lines. Of course, every line is magical. All our earth starts from the mud and ends in the sky. And Shobindo describes the evolution of love from the animal level where love is only about devouring and desiring to a sweet madness in the rapturous heart, love which assumes a little more human dimension where it becomes a feeling, a feeling of mutuality, of love, of togetherness, to love which becomes a ardent comradeship in the happy mind. So love where there is a sharing of thoughts, mutuality of ideas. But that is not the end of the journey of love. It is perhaps the human peak. Love can go further. <clears throat> and the next step of love is where the lonely soul passions for the alone. So after love has gone through the human experience, has experienced the physical, vital and mental sheets or the physical, vital and mental forms of love, the power of love is not satisfied. It is described as the most dissatisfied Godhead. Shubindo speaks in Savitri of the burning test of the Godhead in our parts. There the dissatisfied Godhead here could dwell. Because of all the Godheads, love is the most demanding. That is why the Godhead of love, Sri Krishna, is supposed to be the most demanding. Though he is so sweet, so charming, so pleasing, he draws us very readily but flees from our uh, embrace and every time we think we have got him, he is again, no, 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 <laughs> the entire Gita in the process. So, uh, love is the most dissatisfied Godhead. So, a time comes in our journey when uh, we turn away from human love to love that is divine, to love for the divine. The mother says that there is only one love, and it is the divine love. But in human beings, it turns into love for the divine. That's where we can get a little touch of that. But even that is uh, not the final consummation of love. Since uh, we are here to express and manifest that divinity, within us, uh, we should be able to embody and manifest the divine love in earthly form. And that's what we read yesterday, where um, the condition to manifest that it must change its human ways to ways divine, yet it should not lose anything of the earthly bliss. This is a great challenge, that love must definitely by turning to the divine, it must get irradiated, influenced, penetrated, transfigured into divine love. And yet this love would be a great power for earth if it can express itself in human forms, in everyday life, in, in our relation with the world. If we look at it superficially, it looks as if it is love that is changing its nature. But if we go to the depths, we discover it is not love that is changing its nature because there is only one love. There is no two love. But it is the consciousness that is changing under the pressure of love. And as is the consciousness, so is the capacity of the one love to express itself. The mother says at one place very interestingly, My child, it is very simple. If you have the consciousness of an animal, you love like an animal. You have the consciousness of a human being, you love like a human being. And if you have the consciousness of a God, you love like a God. So, 
we will read a little bit of what it means to love like a god what is that change and yet keep its earthly touch we read number of stories or heard number of beautiful stories about yagnwalk and there is one story which uh, of course is well known i think we touched upon it or maybe not shubindo in the synthesis i'll just read couple of passages on love that shubindo speaks of in the synthesis <clears throat> so this is a story where maitri asks him yagnwalk that tell me why does one after all love one's wife why does one love one's husband why does one loves one child and country and all this so yagnwal gives a very interesting answer and shubindo has his own interpretation of it not for the sake of the wife says yagnwal in the upanishad but for the sake of the self is the wife dear to us this in the lower sense of the individual self is the hard fact behind the colored and passionate professions of egoistic love so he is stripping us bare that people say i love but they are basically loving with themselves yesterday we were talking about it that even when we turn to god we are still in love with ourselves and it's our own shadow that we project on the divine we uh, you know to put it uh, semi humorously the divine is busy taking taking millenniums and millenniums trillenniums to change us from human to divine but we in a moment change the divine into human because it suits our purposes so we have erected a divine who punishes us a divine who rewards us a divine who can be pleased if we give him uh, rasgullas uh, you know a divine who loves a particular language a particular form of prayer a divine who is partial towards a certain community a divine who is exclusive and so on and so forth all these are human conceptions of the divine and divine allows them yesterday we read that the divine allows these human conceptions because uh, in our ignorance that is how we have to start and yet a time comes when we have to go past and beyond these all these conceptions and discover the utter reality utter truth of that um, about which the upanishad says we have that passage in the upanishad when nachiketa asks yama tell me about him tell me about him you know we read something very interesting uh, you know um, it is said that the gods do not know about the secret of immortality and why they do not know because they don't have a psychic being you know it's very interesting so they do not know it is only through this this is a capacity given to man through which he can go greater than the gods so when nachiketa asks yama tell me about that being effulgent being so nachiketa is told by yama what you want to know about him na tatra suryo bhati na chandra tarakam nema vidyuto bhanti kuto yamagni you want to know about him where the sun shines not appears like a dark shadow where the moon and the stars lose their luster and our electrical fires have no light there you want to know about him at whose table sages and heroes are food at his banquet and i death am merely a spice in his food so he says you want to know about him and that movement stops there it's very powerful you know the way that ends there is so abrupt and suddenness that my god you you are left with just <laughs> wondering that what is that being so 
behind all the professions of a love so called love there is this sense of ego that we love ourselves and we want the other person to be like ourselves at least a replica of ourselves at least somebody who should feed my ego and not only food we want we want ego to be fed more importantly and if the ego is not fed all this love which starts with running around the trees in the movie and it <laughs> so you know filmmakers are very smart they will make movie till the marriage even they they don't show why because nobody likes to see tragedies so <laughs> so running around the trees everything is beautiful but when two people start staying together this egoistic element begins to come out oh you love me but you didn't do this for me what about the morning cup of tea oh this was not a pack you are supposed to make it look at the american television you know it it goes to absurd levels where love collapses because behind all this coloring there is the egoistic love but that's not the kind of love that shurbindo wants us to manifest as his children but in a higher sense it is the inner significance of that love too which is not egoistic but divine so even in human relationships in fact all human relationships are very interestingly reflections of the way divine relates with creation any relation so we have another very interesting um you know sloka in sanskrit acharya devo bhava pitra devo bhava matra devo bhava deva devo bhava it's very nice and you know parents used to love to tell this to children to remind them acharya is like god don't forget touch his feet obey him pitra devo bhava father is like god matra devo bhava mother is like god and you know those days children listen they had no choice now they revolt so now children have uh, twisted the meaning or turned the meaning to its true sense so they say yes yes acharya devo bhava acharya be like a god don't behave like a human being gods have infinite patience when gods teach us look at the gods they are laboring in creation's darkness since time sempiternal has ever any god ever run away sometime they are in strange predicament you know ganpati festival you see the god going with all these hooligans dancing and jumping with alcohol and everything poor god has to sit there and endure we will run away if we have such a horrible company but gods have no choice you know so they are laboring in the darkness of creation since ages and they don't run away shobindo at one place says he has all the infinite patience of a father now i am yet to find a father who has infinite patience and all the infinite indulgent love of a mother so you know an indulgent mother so the next thing that the children tell us pitra devo bhava father be like a god matra devo bhava mother be like a god so it is the inner sense on superficially that they are gods so you better worship them the other is that we have to become like god all relations of human being have to be recreated in the image of the divine how does divine deal with us as a father how does the divine deal with us as a mother if you really look at how mother deals with us what an indulgent mother so beautifully you know we read about upanishads and you know satyena tapsa brahmacharyena nitya if you read those verses you wonder whether you know any of us can even be a adhikari to step into the yoga forget about doing it nayam atma pravachanena medhana bahunashutena yam veshe vrunute tena labhyas tasye satma vivrunute tanuswam then it says nayam atma balhena if you are weak don't strive for this it's not for you upanishads <laughs> are so direct <laughs> tars 
we just wonder can we ever strive for anything so the divine says well i have one option i will come as mother so you cannot do it by yourself even when he came as master and friend and lover of mankind sri krishna and taught us that just surrender to me sarva dharman parityaja arjuna because you are too intellectual i have told you all these things but you will forget them you can't practice them so i am giving you a secret so he gives the secret of the upanishads in gita but he combines it to something which is not found in the upanishads and the vedas and that is the secret of surrender so it's it's hinted but not brought out so sri krishna at the end says sarva dharman parityaja mamekam sharanam raja i will deliver you so mother says these guys cannot even surrender they are beyond you know <laughs> she says just open to me <laughs> nothing else is required just be receptive be open and i'll carry you through this so you see divine has so much patience that is the way a mother should be able to love the child that nothing is demanded nothing is expected of you and yet the love flows unconditionally similarly with all the all the forms of love love of a teacher love of a friend and playmate love of a <clears throat> beloved all these love master and servant they must at a human level reflect something of the way divine deals with humanity so <clears throat> shubhendra says all true love and all sacrifice are in their essence nature's contradiction of the primary egoism and its separative error it is our attempt to turn from a necessary first fragmentation towards a recovered oneness so love is one of the powers which immediately reminds us that we are neither alone in this world nor this world is created only for me this lesson of life one doesn't learn in a book one doesn't learn uh, through uh, you know lectures talks contemplation this lesson of life one learns by practicing true love in relationship and by that act of giving by that act of stepping out of the boundaries of the ego for the sake of another so called another one gets the first lesson of sadhana so love is the teacher and this will go on till the end <clears throat> right up to the end when the soul is merging into the divine it is the act of self giving through which we merge not by wanting the divine into ourselves so there are sadhanas where we pull the divine we think that by our own efforts the divine can be revealed to us divine says okay try try hard so we spend years and decades and we get nothing then after everything we realize that this is too much beyond us so one day we abandon ourselves in a supreme gesture lord this is beyond me i have read everything synthesis vedas upanishad savitri and you know i can recite all the verses by heart but lord i am just wanting a glimpse of that realization i cannot by my own efforts and when we have thus abandoned ourselves that is the time that the grace comes picks us up and reveals so this first step of love in the nursery kindergarten class where we begin to love another human being must go on right up to the end so many people who have not gone through these stages often they speak about love the divine shubhendra says in one of his aphorisms men say that they love god yet do not love men who are they in love with then <laughs> what is this love you are talking about you cannot love one human being with freed of little bit egoism and one talks about loving god loving divine he is so vast so infinite 
we do not love divine when we say we love divine we actually love our own image our own shadow we play with him and we read yesterday we only play with our own brilliant bonds so we erect an image of the divine which is convenient for our purposes a divine who will give us this way that way and everything and we love and divine says okay play with it so <clears throat> all true love is an act of giving all unity between creatures is in its essence a self finding a fusion with that from which we have separated and a discovery of one's own self in others now shubindu says something very interesting a little further and uh, yeah said <laughs> Yeah. yeah 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 god bless you if human relations as practiced now by man are full of smallness and perversity and ignorance yet are they disfigured shadows of something in the divine and by turning them to the divine he finds that of which they are shadow and brings it down for manifestation in life it's very amazing you know when we turn to the divine either as a friend or as father mother beloved then we really discover what it means to have these relations in human life because we discover how the divine in that particular relation deals with us even you know there are paths in yoga where we treat the divine as a child pushti mark i am sure people are aware of it in vaishnava sect there is a pushti mark where you treat the divine as a child and i know of one family he used to this person used to actually treat him like a child and um, i was amazed how he used to do the puja so every day morning when he gets up so normally we do puja after taking bath and brush and everything no first thing he will do is go to the temple and wake up baby krishna he is not supposed to even have a cup of tea because you know it's baby is more important so uh, you know that way he would continue very fine person you know remarkable yogi so uh, once i asked him you turned to mother and how did you turn to mother and it must have been very difficult because you know he had a lineage of priest he that pushti mark he said well my only problem with baby krishna was i couldn't ask him anything i said <laughs> wow. he said because the nature of relationship meant that i am only meant to give one never asked from a child look what a beautiful lesson this is we in our egoistic love expect the child to do things for us fulfill our dreams and ambitions which we could never do and we call it that isiliye pal poskar bada kiya after all that's why we have made you grow this is not love for a child this is love of myself this is not love but child you have grown up now you are free fly like a bird conquer the heavens and hold the wide world in your own hands i want nothing else from you but to see you soar in the highest heavens now this is love for a child so he says i can't ask anything from him so it was a big problem for me so then suddenly there was a set of circumstances because he had this difficulty inside so he says how the mother came into my life and now i am happy because with mother the relation is reversed with mother you can only ask <laughs> shobindo says at one place that she has all the indulgent love of the mother where the soul goes in all its pursuit and he says 
and the divine mother wants it to be so because she cherishes this relationship now can we imagine that it's not just people often ask can i ask this from the mother can i ask that from the mother mother says i like it my child otherwise you are making me a guru too far away like a teacher she says i want you to come and ask me so that i can pour my heart of love over you see the bhagwan needs the bhakta more than the bhakta needs the bhagwan because they fulfill each other so we have this all relations coming through in the divine of which they are shadows it is through the human exceeding itself and opening itself to a supreme plenitude that the divine must manifest itself here so this is how we have to express and manifest that love here of which at this point these are the shadows and then this final part which i wanted to read from the synthesis before we turn to savitri now you know can a human love this is a very interesting question <clears throat> can a human love actually um, by its very power you know love for a human being can take you to the heights of divinity this is a very interesting question in our puranas we find a mention of the ideal of sati now ideal of sati is not burning in a fire that's of course obviously that came later and was a misrepresentation but a woman by her one pointed love towards one human being whoever he may be could develop such a tremendous force of tapasya in her it was force of truth that regardless of who that uh, stupid fellow would be she would progress and this was a great thing you know uh, there is a very beautiful story recounted of sati anasuya she is regarded as the highest of the you know among the sati she is the most uh, you know most effulgent one and um, there was a film shown about anusuya in the ashram and mother commented she says yes uh, it is very beautiful that anusuya could even tame the gods such a power she had the story runs like this that once uh, narada is very smart so he goes and tells he wants to show all these great goddesses that you people think too much about yourself just because human beings worship you but you know they are greater than you you just go and experience the struggle you don't know what it means to run about in new york one hour you are having your vanas which fly like this you know beyond time and space so these goddesses say what are you talking tell me one human being who is greater than us so oh, you don't know anusuya the way she loves her husband you people cannot imagine loving your own gods so now they are jealous you know suddenly they all change into green color z television you know so they finally <laughs> come down to earth we must test this lady anusuya who is she so they go and they are very smart so when anusuya's husband atri rishi is out that's the time they knock and anusuya opens what do you want they have dressed themselves changed their form like a brahmin you know we are brahmins we need to eat at your place some food if you have see come it yes, yes sure come in they say but we have one condition will you fulfill it then you tell us otherwise we are not interested anusuya knows by her tapoval what's the whole game is about so she says yes what is your condition tell me i'll fulfill it she says you have to they say you have to disrobe yourself completely without any clothes on your body make us sit on your lap and feed us with your hands anusuya says that simple no problem come inside now it is that test of her love so what she does anusuya she goes brings food but in the meantime by her tapobal she changes them into little babies now you know they develop the consciousness of babies very gladly she puts them on her thighs feeds them and then puts them to sleep now meanwhile the gods are missing where where 
so the goddesses get worried where did my husbands go god knows what has happened on earth earth is a mysterious place even god sometimes can you know vanish <laughs> so they eventually come and zero in through their gps system they find anusuya's place and ask her you know madam three persons like this description says Uh, well i don't know in my bedroom there are three little babies sleeping if you they are your husbands you can find them and take them away <laughs> so when mother was shown this film in the ashram she says yes man can alone be greater than the gods because he is a psychic being inside only man can love like this human beings can love like this they can express perfect love upon earth precisely because they have a psychic being which is like a little seed of the divine consciousness and that is what we are meant to express so these stories and then there is a story where okay anusuya's husband was a rishi so it is easy to understand you know often when it is said you know why should i be like sita let you become like rama this of course not a very <laughs> not a very good thing because rama also abandoned sita <laughs> but uh, there is a story in the puranas where anusuya once um, of course rama's abandonment of sita is a symbolic thing it's not uh, the way it is you know projected but the story of uh, anusuya is another story where there is a ordinary lady whose name even i have forgotten actually and she loves her husband who is a, a you know uh, ugly looking man who sleeps around with all kinds of you know people and this woman it's described that one night you know this man is desperate to go to another woman's place and he crave sir that i cannot walk can you please carry me she says all right she carries him on her shoulder and as she is going you know there is something and you know sun is he says hurry hurry because you know if i get late uh, it will be daybreak and you know i won't be able to enjoy so she says oh is that the thing by the power of my tapasya i ask the sun to wait and the story goes that the sun is you know not able to now come out because here is a woman with such a power of love inside her so much so that anusuya has to come and request her even by her power she is not able to change it she says i understand your power and your love is unparalleled but please you have to understand that the whole creation cannot be punished for this man so this is the power of love that human beings can embody and shurbindo has a beautiful passage to it all love indeed that is adoration has a spiritual force behind it all love he is not distinguishing that is adoration has a spiritual force behind it even when it is offered ignorantly and to a limited object very often people you know uh, go to limited deities even you know gurus who may be of all kinds and of course human beings and yet if there is true love of the nature of adoration that becomes a power to carry us so he says <clears throat> even when it is offered to a limited object something of that splendor appears through the poverty of the right and the smallness of its issues for love that is worship is at once an aspiration and a preparation it can bring even within its small limits in the ignorance a glimpse of a still more or less blind and partial but surprising realization can you imagine the power mother has said it says it is the one power which can transform human nature within its limits in a smallness of the circle in a limited 
place it can bring that for there moments when it is not we but the one who loves and is loved in us look at the beauty of his revelation and he goes still further look at uh, how complete shurbindo's sentences are you know sometimes we wonder why he writes long sentences now we'll read we are reading in bits and then we'll read the full sentence for there are moments when it is not we but the one who loves and is loved in us and even a human passion can be uplifted and glorified by a slight glimpse of this infinite love and lover it is for this reason that the worship of the god the worship of the idol the human magnet or ideal are not to be despised for these are steps through which the human race moves towards that blissful passion and ecstasy of the infinite which even in limiting it they yet represent for our imperfect vision when we have still to use the inferior steps nature has hewn for our feet and admit the stages of our progress so this is how we proceed in this great journey of love to straight away talk about loving the infinite the vast is uh, impossible for human consciousness but he says even a human passion can be uplifted through this kind of a worship it becomes a sacred act a right and not just uh, merely an act of passion play so this is you know what uh, we find again in savitri in that whole um, passage where shobindo describes savitri and satyavan coming together i'll read that part and then go on to what is that divine love and how it can express itself in the book of love shobindo describes even human love which comes so close to something divine and we normally uh, don't read this passage you know for some reason i don't know why but uh, it's amazing how shirbindo describes <clears throat> this coming together of satyavan and savitri what an ideal of human love changed into something divine lifted to the heights it's very interesting when you read uh, in savitri the description shirbindo gives in the author's note he says it is a story of conjugal love conquering death it's very interesting conjugal love conquering death we can understand it's a symbol of divine love conquering death but here is a story of conjugal love human love conjugal love is a human love with all its human sense in it and yet this love has the power to conquer death can human beings love in such a way that it can conquer death so here is the possibility and here we have such a human description this is page 410 she bowed and touched his feet with worshiping hands see what we read just now that you know when love changes into an adoration she made her life his world for him to tread and made her body the room of his delight her beating heart a remembrance of bliss he bent to her and took into his own their married yearning joined like folded hopes as if a whole rich world suddenly possessed 
wedded to all he had been, became himself, an inexhaustible joy made his alone, he gathered all Savitri into his clasp. It is very interesting. When human beings embrace this simple gesture, is it just a physical act? Very often, you know, people turn it into just a physical act or a casual thing. Like everything, touching feet is, nowadays, thank God it is gone because, you know, people don't touch feet, they just do this gesture and it's... <laughs> so, so, each act of the body is symbolic of a deep inner truth. And it can become like that. If we can really, because this body contains the gods inside. And every gesture, this was the whole science developed by the ancient Indians, where every, um, not just vichar, but achar and vihwar, conduct, was meant to express a divine truth, like namaskar. So namaskar was a divine truth. I bow down to the divine inside you. Then, of course, um, touching the feet. Even when the dead is, you know, dead body, we we bow down and do pranam. So why do we do pranam to the dead? He cannot uh, say that bye, goodbye. He, after all, he is gone. He is, you know, if you take a materialistic view of science, uh, anyways, he can't even see what you are doing. No. Whom do we bow down to? We are not bowing down to just a human being and it's not a courtesy call. We bow down to the Dehi inside who has gone through this whole journey of life. Endured and struggled and eventually now he is leaving. So we bow down to that presence inside who has accepted and you know it's a recognition of ourselves in the other person. So every gesture. So here Shabindu is describing the gesture where the two come together and he says he gathered all Savitri into his clasp. It's not just a physical act. Around her his embrace became the sign of a locked closeness. Through slow, intimate years, a first sweet summary of delight to come. And then he describes this whole act in terms which are deeply spiritual. In a wide moment of two souls that meet, she felt her being flow into him as in waves, a river pours into a mighty sea, as when a soul is merging into God. To live in him forever and know his joy. Her consciousness was a wave of him alone and all her separate self was lost in his. So this is like a training ground where human experience of life is a training ground for that eventual infinity which we have to be become. So if we like to skip the steps we may, we may try it but it's, it's difficult. At one place somebody asked the mother, Mother, what do we do when human love comes in our life? So, mother gave a very interesting answer. In fact, the question is very well phrased. One has to uh, congratulate the person who asked this question. So, the question was, Mother, we are supposed to love only the divine. So, what do we do if human love comes in our way, in our life? So, mother gave a very interesting answer. She says, ah, go through it. And then there is laughter. And then she explains. It's a whole passage in Collected Works of the Mother, Volume 8. It's page 301. Read the full thing. 1956 question answer. She says, you know, if you go through it in the right way, you can prog make tremendous progress. So what is the right way? She says, learn to love unselfishly. 
and if you just practice it without expectations at one place he says there is no other right of love except to love she says people talk about rights of love it's my right i love him or her so much she must do this for me he says you have gone lost the battle he says there is no other right of love but love alone so it's only privileges to love and love unselfishly then she says if you do it it's difficult she says that it's very difficult so she says first says if you when human love comes and people deny it then what happens she says sometimes people lose often the capacity to love itself they become very harsh and sometimes they have to take lives to recover even this capacity to love because you know the nature becomes very harsh it has not allowed this power to grow inside she says on the other hand if you love unselfishly then over a period of time you can really you will eventually pierce behind appearances and you will touch the divine principle of love in things you will cut through all the layers and coats and you will touch the divine principle because you are you know every time expectation she says it's a very difficult path but she says it is much more complete if you can go through it it will be really a complete path it's not that it is highly recommended <laughs> because it's a difficult path no doubt about it but we should know that there is a possibility like that existing in human nature and uh, if human being wants everything can be turned towards a divine living so this is the uh, the the height to which just human love can rise even human passion can rise to those heights which are unimaginable and then we can you know turn to what exactly is this love when it rises through all these heights what kind of love it becomes what is the transformation that takes place inside because we have learned that human love must change its human ways to ways divine what is the divine way of love so that's where i feel why the life of mother and shirobindo is important very often what's there to know about the life why not we just you know uh, read their books now in the gita there is something very interesting where shirobindo says krishna tells arjuna my life itself is an example arjuna look at me there is nothing that i have to gain from any of the three worlds yet i continue to work because if i don't work all these worlds will collapse and the divine gives his example and shubindo emphasizes on this the divine's own example that is how he emphasizes so of course uh, obviously the true sense of that life should come out so what is only mother can show us how to love truly and here are some of her lines and there are so many stories one story that comes to my mind is dilip kumar roy we know that he kept having doubts about the mother and so much so that it's now well known that he even wrote to indra gandhi against uh, i think it was nehru sorry against the mother and yet look at the mother side of the story 51 he left the ashram went away for 14 years mother kept his room and she would not give it to anyone when people asked her that mother why don't you give this room this naturally she says my child he may come back and then she says every night his soul comes to rest here only she could have that vision to see every night his soul comes to rest here in this room how can i give it to somebody where will he find the place if he comes this was her love 
that on one side here is a disciple, errant, moving away and on the other side there is the divine, how she is loving. And this we find in the description of Savitri which is none else but the Divine Mother and she is an embodiment of love. We can look at Mother as embodiment of this, an embodiment of that, uh, but of all the things, all the powers, the Mother is ultimately the embodiment of love. So what is that love? Love came to her hiding the shadow, death. So beautiful it is. To Savitri, love comes hiding the shadow death. It comes in front as love. But what it is hiding? Death. And why it comes in this way? Well might he find in her his perfect shrine. Those who are born for greatness are given the greatest difficulties and challenges. So if one's life is sometimes a bit uh, too easy, (laughs) you know, uh, this uh, Prapati, when Prapati was uh, from Odisha and Prapati and Babaji Maharaj did a lot of work in Odisha. So, when somebody told him, uh, ah, my life is so good and you know, mother is uh, so kind and everything. So he said, maybe mother has not yet looked at you till now. <laughs> so, so, who is given the greatest challenges of life? Somebody who is being prepared to scale heights. At one place, mother says that every time you have to make a progress, you are given a test. And only when you pass through it, then you are ready. So, he who has to manifest perfect love must also face its very opposite and contradiction. So, love came to her hiding the shadow death. Well, might he find in her his perfect shrine. Since first the earth beings heavenward growth began, through all the long ordeal of the race, never a rarer creature bore his shaft that burning test of the Godhead in our parts, a lightning from the heights to our abyss. It's difficult to contain this power, burning test of Godhead in our parts. This is a power which, as another place he says, love is a glory from the eternity's fear, abased, disfigured. We have those lines written, I think, in the card. Yet it is the Godhead by which all can change. Mother says that, my child, it is only love that can transform, nothing else can transform. So, what was in her that love found? It is very interesting. So that we can try to be just a little like this. It is very difficult to be like this, but just a little. So, Sri describes Savitri. Why love came to her? All in her pointed to a nobler kind. Now, he is describing a human aspect of Savitri. But look at this human aspect. All in her pointed to a nobler kind. Near to earth's wideness, intimate with heaven. On one side, she knew everything about the earth. She was not just, you know, love means she is living in some mystic trance. When a child would go to her with, you know, there is that story about how that child went and you know there were people standing in the queue but for a long time this child is not coming out and people are wondering that uh, mother there is a big person waiting to meet you and he is getting very restless mother says yes but this child has come her frock there is an ink stain so she is cleaning that ink stain with her own uh, hands look at the divine mother's play 
and then giving her nice sweets, chocolates, and then sending the child, making her happy. Mopati, you are fine. I mean, one cannot imagine small, small details. How she used to go near to earth's wideness. How the earth supports everything. Shubhendu gives this example. How everything it encourages to grow. Earth doesn't say, oh, you, I will not support you. You are a snake. No. Earth gives itself food for the snake. Earth gives shelter to the lion. Earth supports human beings. Everything it allows to grow. Even poison weeds as well as the you know, herbs. So it allows near to earth's wideness. Intimate with heaven. Yet it keeps the vision of the beyond always. Exalted and swift her young large vision spirit. Voyaging through worlds of splendor and of calm. Overflew the ways of thought to unborn things. Even at a human level. This power has come to her from above. Her thoughts are always focused, flying towards unborn things. Ardent was her self-poised, unstumbling will. You know, often people say, oh, love and all, it's emotion, you know, it's for weak fellows. Here, Shubhinda says the reverse. Only the strong and mighty can love. What is the nature of her will? Ardent was her self-poised, unstumbling will. Only such a person can love. Otherwise, uh, first very test and the person starts faltering like this. Her mind a sea of white sincerity, passionate in flow, had not one turbid wave. Then another capacity, this capacity for love can only come from truth. This is the other part that Shurabindu reveals. As in a mystic and dynamic dance, a priestess of immaculate ecstasies, Inspired and ruled from truth's revealing vault, moves in some prophet given of the gods, a heart of silence in the hands of joy. So this is the second part that love is does not mean that we compromise and we start and in, indulging in falsehood, simply please people. It's not that is not love. Look at Mandodri. She loved Ravana. Even though Ravana kept his wayward ways. But Mandodri always spoke the truth. Always she would tell him, Ravana, don't do this. This is not the right path you are following. This is not the path to Dharma. Surrender to Rama. He is the Lord. He is the divine incarnate. He will release you. She would always tell him the path of the right and the light. She would not tell lies just to please him. She could have been, you know, Ravana was a big threat, terror. I mean, he could have simply said, Mandodri, you are talking too much. You know, I am filing papers. <laughs> enough you lose the kingdom I have enough people who will come to me but that power of truth in her prevented Ravana from you know doing it because somewhere he knew that whatever it is she is ruled by truth the same power of truth we find in Sita's love look at it like you know when and these stories when you read you sometimes feel are they exaggerations but as you grow you realize that they are not exaggerations they are facts of inner truth so when Ravana wants to come near Sita Sita says you want to come near me she picks up a trin just like the Kain Upanishad story she picks up a blade of grass she strike crossing this line if my love for Rama is true you dare not cross this now this fellow is shaking <laughs> this woman who has the guts to say that if my love for Rama is true you dare not cross this line. Who can say this? So, inspired by truth's revealing vault. Few lines below. 
and the third aspect of love is beauty and delight so all gestures a person who truly loves does not need to have a moral code this is the beauty one who loves will know it by a sense of beauty aesthetic sense inside what is to be done and what is not to be done his ethics is inside you don't have to tell do this don't do this because the power of love will reveal a person who truly loves will never do something which is ignoble which is small petty you know ugly because that power will stop her look her smile evokes celestial sense even in earth stuff and their intense delight poured a supernal beauty on men's lives at one place the mother says my child i always look up towards light towards truth if i start seeing your defects you will not none of you will stand in front of me she says never invoke justice ask for grace who will stand before justice she says if if i start seeing you know that the other day we were talking about tulsidas those lines ram so swami ko sevak mo so that it's only by looking at your own capacity for grace that you can keep me near you but if you look at my faults and defects no way i don't stand a chance so she was always looking towards truth towards light she said my child i know everything that is happening even that famous story about a spy who was there in in the ashram and uh, isi spy and uh, he would come and suddenly like this you know bow down towards mother and then mother kept him for some <laughs> then one day the police came and took him away so they asked mother why did you keep him near you says my child when he would come his soul would step out and pray for protection what do i do i have to protect him as long as ultimately his destiny will take over but how she gathered so all that she was doing constantly is pouring love beauty on human life everywhere and through that love and beauty she was changing human life a wide self giving was her native act a magnanimity as of sea or sky enveloped with its greatness all that came and gave a sense as of a great end world and so people lost their heads because everybody felt mother has given me so much love i must be special so you know this is the best way to come to the abyss divine sometimes <laughs> by his act of love because when people begin to feel there is something must be special about me not realizing divine's nature is to love whoever goes to the divine he will love he will give love make you feel you are greatened because simply because he sees the that part in us that little being no bigger than the thumb of man and it sees its possibility and encourages it so there were people you know we have so many instances better not to speak about them but how she saw one possibility and she would pour love to allow it to grow once someone asked mother mother uh, you know so many people you have gathered in the ashram i i mean there's some useless people they do no work and better you know why don't you take them off from the ashram so mother says why don't you make a list of these people so i'll consider it <laughs> so the person made a list of about 25 persons so she would say this no no he he does this well he does this that, that, that. finally it came to somebody said what about this man oh you know when he he puts stamps he puts them so neatly so she would see that 
I mean, it's not that she has not sent away people from ashram, but that also she was only seeing the good of the person. That by doing this, he has a chance to probably revive his psychic and spiritual life. It was not an act of punishment. We have those lines in the mother where she says, even her postpone, even her rejections are not a rejections, but a postponement. They are not a punishment. She would never punish. Even when we see sent away, there are instances of people who were sent away from the ashram. Somebody who lost his head or somebody became very wayward, but yet her love would go behind. On one side she is sending, on the other side the love is going to protect. A famous instance of a boy who studied in the ashram school and he became a little wayward, took to drugs and you know eventually had to be sent away. So he came to mother and mother told him something and uh, nobody knew what she has told. He went, he went in his wayward ways and eventually ended up with a rehab center with cancer and eventually he died. So his father was telling me that uh, how he got reassured. Uh, you know, it's a painful thing for a parent to see all this. He shared that how he got reassured when he met this boy much later. I'm, uh, much later means he was following him but on his deathbed, near the, he had cancer and it had spread. So he said, finally I got reassured that doesn't matter, mother is carrying him. When I asked him that you went through all this and I'm sure you must have learnt at least your lesson in life. He says, yes, I have learnt it. He asked him, what kept you going? He said, the mother told me two things. One was never hide anything from me. And then she said, my child, wherever you go, remember that mother loves you. Now, on one side he is going out. On the other side she is telling him, remember the mother loves you. This power of love has such a capacity. It sustained him through all the trials and tribulations, ups and downs, the hellish curves and the abysses of his journey. So this is her nature. Her kindly care was a sweet, temperate son. What kindly care? Once Vijay Bhai was recounting this story that he had been given a cycle by the mother and uh, when he, uh, you know, this must have been around 7 years of age. Then suddenly, one day, when on his 12th birthday, after 5 years, there was an announcement that the mother wanted him to see him. So what for? She had bought a new cycle for him and said, that must have grown small for you. Can we imagine? This is Divine Mother. She should be only concerned about sadhana and tell him, how are you doing? Are you sitting for meditation and doing your prayers? No. And sometimes it, you know, people could not conceive. In fact, when you ask some of these sadhaks, they say we were so mesmerized just by her human love that we could not see the divine aspect. Because her human care itself was so much, so loving that for the smallest things, she would not miss out. Kindly care was a sweet and temperate sun. Look at the line, sweet and temperate sun. Not the sun which is blazing hot. When you read Sri Aurobindo's writings, you feel it is the supramental sun in all its glory, shining at mid-noon in the Sahara where not a soul can survive. But what she does, the same supramental sun tailors itself to our level. It becomes sweet and temperate makes us feel warm and pleasant. It's the same light, same truth, same power, same glory, but veiled and limited. Because these children will not understand, you know, big things. 
So, but they will understand human love. But human love, when the divine gives, he passes on his divinity through that human touch. So, her kindly care was a sweet, temperate sun. Her high passion, a blue heaven's equipoise. And now these marvelous lines, which you know are one of my favorite ones. As might a soul fly like a hunted bird, escaping with tired wings from a world of storms and a quiet reach like a remembered breast in a haven of safety and splendid soft repose. One could drink life back in streams of honey fire, recover the lost habit of happiness. If somebody asked me, describe the ashram, these are the lines I would use. What is the ashram? Her lap, physically manifested. What do we find here? There, safety and splendid soft repose. A kind of safety one can find nowhere upon earth. When Woodrow Wilson's daughter, um, Nishtha, renamed Nishtha, she was very sick and we know, I mean she was sick much before and then she was asked all the president and his men that why don't you come back in India, who can take care of you and you know, in America we have new new things which we have discovered, all kinds of medicines and all kinds, as if people would never die here, you know, there is an absurdity in all this of course, Amar lok to nahi hai, but you know, why don't you come here and we will take care of you, the kind of care which cannot be provided there, what a lovely feeling she expressed, she says, yes, yes, maybe you can take care of my body in a better way, but who will take care of my soul? This is the expression. So that care in a haven of safety and splendid soft repose. You go there and you just feel that, you know, ah, first thing, go to Samadhi and you feel done. Ganga <laughs> Everything is gone in a haven of safety and splendid soft repose. One could drink life back in streams of honey fire. Recover the lost habit of happiness. With all the problems, troubles, difficulties, you have a smile on the face and a joy in the heart. That is what her embrace is. A deep of compassion, a hushed sanctuary, her inward help unbarred a gate in heaven. She says, my child, whoever I have seen even once, I never forget him. Even those who have turned and gone away, even those who are hostile, I continue to help them in their journey. I never forget them. The whole world, love in her was wider than the universe. The whole world could take refuge in her single heart. 71 onwards, mother would not take anybody in the ashram. So she would say, my child, you know, if I could, I would have the whole world here. (laughs) She knew this is going to happen. But my means are limited. But yes, inwardly, wherever you are, You have my grace. You have my protection. So if she says, if I had the means, I would have the whole people, whole world near me physically. But it's not possible because, you know, there are limitations of time and space. So she says, the whole world could take refuge in her single heart. And now Sherbindo summarizes the power of love. Who could, why it could find home in her? Love in her was wider than the universe. The whole world could take refuge in her single heart. The great unsatisfied Godhead here could dwell. 
he found here it's so. Ah, this is the heart so vast, full of sacrifice, full of giving, full of magnanimity, doesn't calculate anything, unconditional love. Here I can find my home. Vacant of the dwarf self's imprisoned air. We have those lines from Kabir, so beautiful. Prem gali ati sakri, tame dona samahi. Jab mein tha, tab hari nahi. Jab hari, tab mein nahi. Vacant of the dwarf self's imprisoned air. We cannot love, whether it be divine or anybody, as long as we live in a small consciousness, narrow consciousness, imprisoned consciousness. By its nature, Love is not satisfied with that. You build a wall around it, it says, where am I? Break the wall. That advertisement, I don't know, India TV brothers would build a diwal. Now the advertisement comes that suddenly they realize that, you know, they love each other and say, bhaiya, ye diwal ko tordo. So they try to smash it. But unfortunately, it's an advertisement of Ambuja cement. Ki diwal to... <laughs> that wall is not breaking. <laughs> Inwardly they have reconciled. So love ka problem yehi hai. It doesn't, is not satisfied with walls, boundaries. Now if you see why this power can take us to the infinite. Because limitless, infinite, every finite boundary love will smash. It is not happy with it. So only the boundless can truly love. Her mood could harbor his sublimer breath, spiritual that can make all things divine, for even her gulfs were secrecies of light. And now in four lines we have a summary of our Divine Mother, what her nature is and just the human aspect, so powerful. At once she was the stillness and the word. She was at once, both these things. When we look at Shurabindu, looks like infinite stillness. How will we reach him? We can drown ourselves in his two lotus eyes. But when we look at mother, on one side, stillness. But a tremendous power coming through that stillness. People say this. When they were in presence of Shurabindu, they felt that, you know, there is infinity around. But in presence of mother, they felt that same infinity was pressing them to change. At once he was the stillness and the word. A continent of self-diffusing peace. An ocean of untrembling virgin fire. The strength, the silence of the gods were hers. And then Shubhita says, In her he found a vastness like his own. Love doesn't dwell in small hearts. In her he found a vastness like his own. His warm, subtle ether he refound and moved in her as in his natural home. In her, he met his own eternity. So this is the kind of consciousness that human beings have to embody. This is the change before we can really harbor the sublime breath of that love, which is what we are meant to. This is the vastness from which we are supposed to or expected to love. Not just God, but the whole creation. So, we will pause here and any questions we can take up.
Yes. But limited by the consciousness that it inhabits. And it constantly labors to break those prison walls. So, it's like the light, the same light. When we put a, you know, dark mantle around it, so it changes its color. So, all love is essentially only one love. Even love at the most uh, animal or worm-like level or even below it. We'll talk about that tomorrow. But uh, essentially, it is the nature of the consciousness which conditions and limits us. But there is only one love. There is no two love in this universe. No, it's a very, very beautiful question, I must say, and a very uh, practical one. Not always an easy one to answer because it will depend on many things. But to put it in, let me not be diplomatic that it will depend on many things. Let me come straight to the point, uh, both as a psychologist and as a practitioner of yoga. And a father, yes. So, so uh, you see, ego is there in human nature. Now, sattvic ego quite naturally wants others. If one has cultivated a certain sattvic self-culture, one quite naturally wants the child to practice that. The way for that is through one's own example. So, one good part is that you have, you know, the child has your example. You know, he sees you coming and that is the first step that you have already taken. This, it's perfectly valid to tell the child what is best in your vision about him. But, it is perfectly invalid to insist on it. Because that's where you have to allow the scope. So, on one side, one extreme is freedom where, oh, let, let him do whatever he wants. Now, that will not be the right approach. But at the same time, if one insists, why? It's practically also a problem because many times when there is a possibility, you know, it's, it's a paradox of life that when there is an insistence, sometimes there is a resistance for no reason at all. You see, that's what people say that they don't want uh, actually the freedom to do certain things. They want to have the freedom to make a choice whether they want to do it or not. Now, the moment there is an insistence, then children tend to, you know, react. Not all children, but some children. The second is that they have to eventually choose their own freedom. So, suggest, maybe advise, maybe time to time give that subconscious suggestions. Like for instance, a much better way will be, oh, it was wonderful. And if, you know, again as a father, you can also say some nice things that, oh, it was so nice, you know, there was this story, no untruth things. And the uh, cookies were wonderful. <laughs> so maybe, you know, next time the child may not come for the lecture, but comes for the cookies. Or, you know, just the feeling, you express a sense of joy. And the child may feel drawn. Maybe, you know, it's something worth going. Like many times for Pondicherry, when, you know, children, parents ask me, I say, don't tell them that you are going to a spiritual place, an ashram where, you know, they will learn some big things. Just say that Park Guest House is a lovely place by the side of the sea and they will enjoy a good holiday. Now, you know, when they come with that consciousness, and you're not telling a lie because that's a fact. 
Now, when they come with that, they get, you know, into this. So, for a, each level of consciousness, the message has to go in an appropriate way. They shrink because they have this idea that um, I am generalizing the question, not confining it to, you know, this only problem. Children have their own idea about, you know, divinity, spirituality, and etc. And partly we are responsible for it because we make it appear like something very stiff, like a moral code, like, uh, you know, uh, set of do's and don'ts and they suddenly feel there are a lot of restrictions upon me or you know we talk about meditation etc but when we talk about the love of the divine uh, this is something which can hook them on because they feel oh there is something which I am going to get which is what I want but something far far greater in quality so slowly it is through that that they would turn and having said that yet in the last analysis they will have their own destiny so uh, the the last thing which one should do is offer it whatever you feel or aspire for your child which you are doing out of your own love and goodwill definitely but keep offering the child and his destiny to the divine tell the mother that look before he is my child he is your child if he goes wayward your problem don't blame me that I didn't do I have done my bit now you take care of your child so this way the child gets connected with parents as a intermediary link with our own highest that you know that Pitra Devo Bhava with that highest divine figure of which we are a shadow. So we are trustees and shadows. So what should the shadow do? Refer back to the light. Now if a child is not directly able to relate with the divine as father and mother then as the human representatives human father and human mother we can connect because he is connected to us through bond of love, through bond of birth and through bond of various kind. So when we connect to the divine mother every day in our prayers we can say mother along with me and my wife or my husband here is one more fellow who is absent here but in your consciousness he is ever present so please take care of him do it every day and you will see it makes a difference I mean I know people who do it and who have done it and it makes a difference even in things which may and because the divine works in strange ways he doesn't need him to come here see you have connected like prayer you have connected the child's consciousness with the divine now how he will do because he knows every nature, he knows all the, you know, nuts and bolts. So he will create circumstances, situations and how he will do it, leave it to him. And he will do it. Because he is not limited. It is not that the father has already failed whenever he says, son, come. He has failed to bring him completely so that whatever he says, he no, I don't think that is a correct assessment. Also, I feel, um, you know, sometimes it's not good for a child to become a replica of the father. Because each child must follow his own destiny's curve and his own nature. And uh, that's the other part. Uh, in fact, that would be egoistic love where I want my child to become like my image. Uh, you know, it would not be good. Hmm. Hmm. Well, it has both sides. It has both sides. Sometimes it may also mean that the child doesn't, is losing his own capacity to think and decide. So, you know, it can work both ways. By and large, it's better if children make their own choices and not necessarily based on what the parents say because after all, we are ignorant. As parents, none of us can claim that we live in that light where we know what is really best. So, what I may think is best 
from my standpoint may not be the best for a child standpoint there is a famous uh, you know you remind me of a actual incidents where someone wrote to shirbindo about his daughter and he described the experiences he was having and that she wants to come to the ashram and uh, he said it will be very great if you could you know accept her and you know she could be a part of the ashram shubindo wrote back that yes i can see that she is blossoming very beautifully in her soul but if she comes here suddenly her difficulties will increase and she is likely to get stifled in her progress it's much better that she stays there and she will receive all the help now you see divine has seen something which as a parent one could not see as a parent going near the ashram near Sh- and i am talking of the period when shurbindo and the mother are there in their physical body but shurbindo sees it very differently so as parent or as human beings as anybody i always feel a fundamental thing about progress is that we should have that utter humility that at the end of the day i really don't know i mean i am thinking that this is best but it may not be the best some children have to go through their own experiences shurbindo's own life his father wanted something about him and uh, therefore he sent him there and you know it turned in another way same with buddha's life so it's true that we should tell the child that's why perhaps we have come in his life but uh, for whatever reason whether it's a you know either lack of assertion or trust whatever issue there may be there can be whole host of issues we should eventually leave it the final choice the child should learn to make and uh, it will help him in the long run much more and we really don't know what is really best for him so we should offer it at the feet of the divine and connect him to the divine and that our task is over beyond it it's one own destiny i mean all of us have to go through our own errors and mistakes and ups and downs and there is no perfect life yes child very beautiful so to start with as i said it's not that it is invalid it is imperfect and incomplete so what we should do is uh, ask him that this is how i love you but i really don't know who you are and what is the best way to love you know champak lal ji after years of serving mother and shobindo with an you know unflinching spirit of service tells mother mother all my life i have served you the way i have wanted to serve you now you tell me how you want me to serve you so you know ask him and he will when you are ready because you know it's very difficult nachiketa asks no this question that tell me the true divine so death says i am a spice in his banquet you will be shaken up arjuna asked this question and arjuna could not contain that vision so he will reveal but in his own course of time ask this that i don't want to just love uh, an image i want to love you as you are but in the beginning this approach is valid and valid very valid for a long long time so don't worry about it when the time comes if you are connecting to the divine he himself will reveal to you who he is or what he is or you know the totality and the vastness so we should not worry about it but we should know because what happens is in life many times our conceptions of the divine are broken by events and circumstances now that time we should remember maybe it's an you know after all it's a conception maybe the divine way of doing things is very different so always keep that margin that i do, cannot understand everything of the divine however much i may have read understood or realized 
but there will always remain something of the divine which will escape my understanding that is the reason why we should remember this that whatever i am uh, worshiping loving is a conception given to me at this point of time but it is not the ultimate and the final truth that must always remember that th- there will always remain something of the divine which will be like a mystery beyond human understanding that's one must know yes priya shrunk suddenly and too early yeah yeah that's right so you know we we leave it we learn to surrender only we should know that all that i may know or speak or read about the divine yet something of the divine will always remain a mystery and that makes it very wonderful actually because you know there is always the sense of something yet not uh, realized and it makes you always youthful because you are constantly progressing that's why yes true love, true love yeah. yes egoistic love will constantly make you unhappy and the other fellow unhappy very soon this love will become a point of bitterness unhappiness quarrel in life but true love to start with a part of you will feel pained but every time you overcome that barrier because you know you will realize that within you there is an ego operating you will feel a sense of release and a liberation so to start with it will make you feel that within you love is becoming wider and wider and your consciousness is becoming wider and wider more stronger more you know uh, powerful in the movement of love and therefore it will also release a greater joy in your being true love will always increase the joy of your being whereas all pain all bitterness all uh, uh, quarrel is a sign that it's an egoistic love how much percent give yourself in one word any love whether it is to the divine or a human being it's an act of giving when we are wanting then we are really not not loving truly but it's it's allowed not that it's not allowed but when we give oneself to the divine then we have really begun to love in the true way so we should give ourselves to the divine here i am and with all my whatever i think are good and whatever others think are bad or vice versa a human creature a bundle of all kinds of things and here i am i present myself at your feet do with me whatever best you can do and then the divine will begin to take charge of your life and start changing you you know this story another thing about uh, you know just as an aside how our conception of what may be good and the divine's way of looking may be very different uh, one story that comes to my mind is when uh, a group of people had come from 
abroad, um, I forget which country, and mother asked Ambu Bhai to talk to them about the yoga. Now, Ambu Bhai was a heart yogi, not Ambu Purani, not Abhi Purani, but Ambu Bhai was a heart yogi and uh, he was not much of, you know, like a person with much thought or anything. So, he said, Mother, what you are giving me, you should ask Kamal Kiran or, you know, there are such stalwarts, Udar, and they will tell all the things about yoga, about super mind, over mind, I know nothing, Mother, why you are asking me to talk to them about yoga? She said, precisely because Amal Kiran and these people will tell them much more than they can assimilate or they are ready for. <laughs> That's why I want you to, I can, and then she says something very remarkable, I can make use of your ignorance. <laughs> you see, our human conceptions, like normally one would say, oh, somebody has come from there, send him to Amal Kiran. Human beings would do that. Send them to Amal Kiran, he is the you know, person who can really tell them everything. But mother didn't do that. She said, send them to Amu Bhai. And Amu Bhai was totally at loss. He said, of all the people, you are asking me to talk to them? I mean, those who know him know he had a very simple consciousness with no understanding about yoga, etc. He said, but I want you. Because you will not tell them more than what is needed. I will make use of your ignorance. That's why the divine makes use of everything. Nirod Bharan, that's what. Yeah, when he he says that, Niroddha says that, I don't know why he chose me, he should have chose Amal Kiran to be the scribe. Then he says, perhaps I understand because I don't understand much of poetry. Otherwise, Amal Kiran would keep thinking, why is using this? Why not this? Why not that? <laughs> so, precisely because I don't have that thing in me, so he asked me, you write. This fellow will quietly write. Otherwise, already as in Vyasa Avatar, Sri must have experienced that keeping Ganesha as a scribe is very difficult <laughs> because this fellow must understand everything before he writes. That's why Vyasa had to compose some verses which were so cryptic that even Ganesha took time to understand and that's the time when he could compose new ones. So this time he changed his strategy. He said, no Ganesha, <laughs> but someone simpler will do. One of the Ganas will do. Write the Mahabharata? No, I really don't know. It's a good question. But only thing what is mentioned as a fact is, it won't have taken long because there are 24,000 verses in the original. It's very interesting also because in Savitri there are nearly 24,000 lines. So there are 24,000 verses in the original Mahabharata. So if you really look at it like that, Vyasa could have composed it in a matter of weeks. But we went to that place where Vyasa's that Gufa is there in Badrinath where Vyasa is supposed to have written. This is also a place where Ganeshji used to rest at night. So I guess it took definitely more than one day because, you know, there is a place where he would rest at night. And the, But the worst part is by the side or not by the side, but Vyas Gufa is there, then there is uh, uh, Ganesh Gufa and then there is <laughs> India's last tea stall <laughs> where you sell Coca-Cola and... <laughs> So, I don't think it would have taken very long, in my understanding. Yes, please. Years. Three years. I don't know. Maybe if you have read it somewhere. I mean, possible. But somehow I find three years, unless he kept perfecting it, quite possible. I mean, 
maybe even more years. I mean, it all depends on how the inspiration flowed. Because it's a highly inspired poem, there's no doubt. Okay, yeah. Okay, sure. I'll read on the theme of love, but uh, it else elsewhere what kind of people the mother called near her, what love she gave. <clears throat> Book 4, Canto 2, 364. A being they loved whose bounds exceeded theirs. Her measure they could not reach but bore her touch, answering with the flowers answer to the sun. They gave themselves to her and asked no more. One greater than themselves, too wide for their ken, their minds could not understand nor wholly know. Their lives replied to hers, moved at her words. They felt a Godhead and obeyed a call, answered to her lead and did her work in the world. Their lives, their natures moved, compelled by hers. As if the truth of their own larger selves put on an aspect of divinity to exalt them to a pitch beyond their earths. They felt a larger future meet their walk. She held their hands. She chose for them their paths. They were moved by her towards great unknown things. Faith drew them and the joy to feel themselves hers. They lived in her, they saw the world with her eyes. Some turned to her against their natures bent, divided between wonder and revolt, drawn by her charm and mastered by her will, possessed by her, her striving to possess. Impatient subjects, their tied longing hearts, hugging the bonds close of which they most complained, murmured at a yoke they would have wept to lose, the splendid yoke of her beauty and her love. Others pursued her with life's blind desires and claiming all of her as their lonely own, Hasten to engross her sweetness meant for all. As earth claims light for its lone separate need, demanding her for their soul jealous clasp, they asked from her movements bounded like their own. And to their smallness craved its like response. 
or finding her touch desired too strong to bear. They blamed her for a tyranny they loved, shrank into themselves as from too bright a sun. Yet, hankered for the splendor they refused, angrily enamored of her sweet passionate ray, the weakness of their earth could hardly bear. They longed, but cried out at the touch desired, inapt to meet divinity so close, intolerant of a force they could not house. Some drawn unwillingly by her divine sway, endured it like a sweet but alien spell, unable to mount to levels too sublime. They yearned to draw her down to their own earth, or forced to center round her their passionate lives. They hoped to bind to their hearts human needs, her glory and grace that had enslaved their souls. But mid this world, these hearts that answered her call, none could stand up her equal and her mate. In vain she stooped to equal them with her heights, too pure that air was, for small souls to breathe.